0: Welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and usually I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Uh, However, unfortunately, this week he's lost in the negative zone, by which I mean Planet Zero. I'm so annoyed about the film we're going to talk about. But what I'm not annoyed about is today's special guest, Chris from Play Comics. Hello!
1: hey i'm so excited to finally get time to do this the time difference man it sucks
0: yes as as eagerly listeners may have picked up chris is an american which means organizing this has been a gigantic pain
1: it's a lot better than organizing with australia though
0: oh that that just sounds like madness
1: six hours ago but tomorrow at least that's about what it is for me.
0: Oh, that's that's some weird timey-wimey nonsense. But yes, Chris, uh, like I say, host of Play Comics. I'm sure we can have a little chat about that more towards the end of the show. But first, God help us, we're going to talk about Fantastic Four.
1: So I feel like our listeners here really need to know why we're looking at this one.
0: Oh, yes, I I have it down in my notes. I want to make it crystal clear. Chris, you requested that we talk about this film.
1: I did not seriously request that we talk about this film. Except that when you said we should do it, I didn't try to get out of it either.
0: That's, That's close enough. I feel like once again I've fallen into the pit of saying... Hey, if I make someone watch the Fantastic Four film from 2015, that'll be really funny. And then remembering, oh, no way, I also have to watch it.
1: Yeah. um, A little behind the scenes. We've had to reschedule this a few times. And each time I hadn't watched the movie yet. So I hadn't actually watched it until this morning. And my wife felt so bad that i had to watch this that she decided that she had to watch it with me for just for moral support
0: oh no oh we've we've like roped in an innocent victim hey she
1: roped herself into this one that's all her fault
0: that's fair and just for anyone who doesn't know this is the 2015 fantastic four film directed by josh trank written by jeremy slater josh trank and simon kinberg uh, based on the Marvel characters created by Stanley and Jack Kirby and also popularly known as and I feel like just how we're going to refer to it for the rest of the show as fant stick
1: that's the only way that I have ever referred to it because you got to have some differentiation somehow and it's sitting right there
0: yeah. honestly it feels kind of weird to not call it that sometimes because in I- my mind it's like yeah there are Three proper Fantastic Four films, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, and Fant4Stick. Like, and I genuinely forget that this film is also technically called Fantastic Four.
1: It's like the Roger Corman one, like, it's always the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. They're, of all the superhero movies, it is the one where it is the easiest to tell which movie people are talking about.
0: God, I, I genuinely kind of love that Roger Corman film.
1: I mean, it's, there's a certain charm in things that are so bad and just so horrible that they're funny to watch again. And I don't want to give too many spoilers for the discussion that we're going to have here, but um, I, I wish this movie was the Roger Corman one.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I also think mr fantastic having an arm this essentially just a can of pringles is better than the horrible cgi in this
1: yeah 2015 should have been better
0: it really should have but but we we are getting ahead of ourselves because i i mean how can you not talk about how bad this film is but before we properly get into it so chris how familiar are you with the fantastic Four, like just as a comic property
1: from the comics directly themselves, mostly my knowledge is from them popping up in other people's comics and from listening to the Fantastic Cast back when that was going.
0: Oh man, that is, a, that is a blast from the past.
1: I'm showing my age here. I'm really old. I'm sorry.
0: Hey, no problem. That is, we we appeal to all demographics, by which I mean no demographics. But yeah, I I love the Fantastic Four, Chris. So in a lot of ways, this was like physically painful watching this film. Because I,
1: just... I like the idea of them and everything. For me, it's just I got into comics with Spider-Man. I've gone really hard into the Ghost Spider side of things. I have a special just like emotional connection to Hulk things. And I can't buy everything. So just keeping myself from reading Fantastic Four as a way to keep me from spending money.
0: That's very fair. I, I was immediately sucked in by the Fantastic Four cartoon as a kid in the 90s.
1: Oh, all those 90s cartoons are just so much
0: fun. Oh, they, they are like the foundation of my Marvel knowledge. And it's great. Like, thanks to them, basically Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel character. The Thing is probably like, strong number two with like a paper thin wedge between them and i just i love some of the creativity in like that original stanley and jack kirby run because i just i noted down some of the characters introduced in that comic series they're like people especially if you maybe just know the mcu like you've still got the fantastic for themselves dr doom The Silver Surfer, who is another one of my favorite characters, Galactus, The Watcher, Black Panther, The Skrulls, The Kree, The Inhumans, Agatha Harkness, and Adam Warlock. Like, all from that initial run. And they're, like, basically half the MCU at this point.
1: And really, they're the reason why Marvel Comics, you can say, is around today. Because... You had a bunch of kind of like standalone stories before that. And here, you don't just have heroes running around solving crimes and being strong. You have actual interpersonal conflict. You have family drama in this. And the fact that they have to work everything out between themselves is really good. Because, I mean, if you got the Justice League, then yeah, they can go and be mad at each other. And stop talking to each other for a while. But they don't have that family connection that forces them to work things out. You can just have somebody leave the Justice League because they're mad and everything's relatively okay. You can't have Johnny say, okay, I'm just never going to talk to my sister again.
0: Yeah, exactly. The, the Justice League, are co workers, the Fantastic Four, our family. That's like the big difference.
1: And even when you get She-Hulk joining the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man joining the Fantastic Four, even if that's just that what-if issue, it's still set up as this family unit in there. So you still have to work within the confines of that family structure.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's always like they're kind of the fun aunt or uncle or like the family friend or something. Which I think is one of the challenges with Fantastic Four is, like, you can't move that far away from that core concept, because that is, like, the bedrock everything's built upon.
1: But there are so many things that you can put on that bedrock, too, so it's not like it's a too much of a limited thing. I think it's a good amount of limited.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I just think you get a lot of people who come at the Fantastic Four from the wrong angle, And like don't seem to realize. Yeah, you start off with the family and then you build up all this kind of huge, crazy, big, bombastic stuff on top of that. And that's how you do a Fantastic Four story. Uh speaking of, I do just want to give a quick shout out. The current series by Ryan North and Ivan Coelho is absolutely incredible. Which
1: just Well, it's Ryan North, so I don't expect anything less.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It's the man made unbeatable squirrel girl. He can do no wrong. Uh, then, just the last bit of comic stuff I wanted to mention uh, was Are you familiar with the Ultimate Fantastic Four at all, Chris?
1: Just the fact that they exist.
0: Yes. So, might just need to give a bit of background on the Ultimate Universe for anyone listening. So this was essentially a line of Marvel comics from the early 2000s, kind of based on the idea of what if kind of we took all the Marvel stuff and just kind of made a new universe where there's no complicated continuity to put people off, and it's kind of set more in the obviously the present day of like 2003, I think it was. Rather than this that sounds about right because yeah. I
1: had the Ultimate Spider-Man game in college.
0: Yeah, definitely that kind of period then. So The Ultimate Fantastic Four, that was created by Mark Millar, Brian Michael Bendis and Andy Hubert. And that basically took the Fantastic Four and the main change it made was saying, well, what if instead of Reed Richards being like 40 years old or whatever, they're all just about sort of 18, 19. And so that's kind of the series that this film took a lot of inspiration from.
1: That makes sense. I was wondering why they decided to move this to a more present-day-ish time frame.
0: Yeah, why it's the present day and why the characters are a lot younger than they are traditionally. Which, yeah, Ultimate Fantastic Four. It's all right!
1: Sadly, that's what I hear about a bunch of the Ultimate Universe stuff.
0: Yeah, I I think... A lot of it very quickly ran into the problem of saying okay, we've completely reinvented the Marvel universe. Now what do we do? Uh, What if we just redo all the stories that we already did for normal Marvel?
1: I can't imagine why anybody would have a problem with that as a reader.
0: Yeah, who who doesn't like exciting concepts like what if galactus but he was exactly the same but he's just a bunch of robots instead of a big purple man
1: and the sad part is you get a concept like that and it sounds really really fun like if you pitch that to me i would go read it right now
0: yeah i think that's that's kind of the ultimate universe in a nutshell great concepts mixed execution
1: I feel like there's some other things we can say that about, though.
0: I mean, I, can we call this film mixed? mixed? Mixed implies that there's some good things to talk about.
1: I was actually expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. This is the first time I'd seen it. I had somehow stayed away from seeing it for the entire however many years it's been since it came out. I refused to do that math, and I also refuse to believe it. And all I had heard was, this is terrible. This is like one of the worst superhero movies ever. It shouldn't even exist. And I was just expecting something a lot worse than what I actually experienced.
0: Oh, you, you were very lucky. I saw this in the cinema. I was furious.
1: Oh, man. I'm sorry.
0: I, I paid actual money to watch this. Yeah, anyway, I should probably do a synopsis. So, as always, full spoilers ahead for the film. So, teen genius Reed Richards, played by Miles Teller, has four years been trying to develop a teleporter with the help of his best friend Ben Grimm, played by Jamie Bell. Uh, Reed is approached by Dr. Franklin Storm, Reggie Carthy, rest in peace, who works for the Baxter Foundation and he recruits Reed to work on a project to build a device that can teleport to planet 0 a world in another universe which is just the negative zone from the comics but why don't they why don't they call it the negative zone chris
1: because from what i have heard the director hated comics
0: that makes sense doesn't it uh... Anyway, joining Reed on the team are Franklin's children, Sue, played by Kate Mara, and Johnny, played by Michael B. Jordan, and fellow scientist Victor Von Doom, played by Toby Kebbell. Together, the four of them, who we should stress are not fantastic, complete the teleporter, but are banned from using it by the Institute's head, Dr. Alan, Tim Blake Nelson, who I'd completely forgotten was in this film and Dr. Allen wants to turn it over to the government. Reed, Johnny, and Victor get drunk and decide to use the teleporter. Reed also invites Ben to share in the experience, but not Sue for some reason. Because I guess then there'd be five of them, it instead there need to be four of them, who again are still not fantastic, arrive on planet zero and begin exploring. Things go horribly wrong though, when Victor sticks his hand in a pool of Slimer from Ghostbusters slime, triggering triggering an eruption which seemingly kills him and causes the area to start collapsing. Uh, Sue arrives at the lab and brings the teleporter back, but is caught in the explosion. Uh, The four survivors, who now technically are the Fantastic Four, but I mean, it's still a bit of a stretch to call them fantastic, are taken to a secret government base where they discover they now all have superpowers. And Reed Richards is elastic. Sue can fade from sight. Johnny is the human torch. And the thing just loves to fight. Also, he's made of rocks, but that doesn't really fit into the theme tune of the nineties Fantastic Four cartoon. So Reed escapes while the other three begin working with the government. Then one year later, Reed is captured making just a big chunk of the film completely pointless so with reed's help the government recreates the teleporter and sends a team to planet zero there they find a still alive victor von doom now fused to his exploration suit. Uh, they bring doom back but it turns out to be a ruse as he kills most of the staff including franklin and dr allen and then opens a portal back, back to planet zero uh, Doom plans to use the portal to destroy Earth and build a new world on planet zero. Uh, the Fantastic Four try to stop him, but aren't able to. They then try a little bit harder, and they win. And then that's pretty much the end of the film.
1: Oh, where to start with this one? It's just there are not so good. Many places. It's. If. Alright, so if you're looking at an upside-down bell curve, and really bad movies get a high enjoyability score, and really good movies get a high enjoyability score, this one is right in the middle, where it dips down. Because it's not bad enough to be enjoyable for being bad, but it's definitely not good enough to be good.
0: Yeah, it's just... It's very messy, is the problem. Which maybe isn't surprising, because apparently the production on this was just an absolute nightmare.
1: From what I have seen, because I did watch some kind of like trivia type videos and stuff after we finished the movie. The studio came in after it was done, or at least close to being done, and said, no, we hate this. Bye bye director. We're gonna reshoot like the second half of the movie.
0: Yeah, and and you can really tell, especially because there's some scenes where Kate Marr is just very clearly wearing a blonde wig.
1: Yeah. Like everything from when they get to the uh area fifty seven, which bothers me because it's not fifty one.
0: Yeah, it also really bothers me they spend like the first half an hour setting up the Baxter building. And then the rest of the film just happens at a completely different location.
1: You have so, I know you have so many cool things that can happen because of the Baxter building and it's just not there. Like I don't expect them to hit every single thing possible when looking at little Easter eggs in a movie, especially if they're kind of planning on being able to come back and do more of these but they didn't set up so many things. You know, you've got the friendship between Reed and Ben going from the beginning there, but there is nothing about Sue and Johnny. Like, I don't expect Sue and Johnny to be there and the entire four together from when they're kids, but you can at least have Sue and Johnny a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think just in general, probably the biggest problem with this film the fantastic four barely speak to each other
1: it's really like four solo stories that just happen to cross paths every once in a while
0: yeah it's so strange because doing a bit of research for this it seems like there are a bunch of earlier drafts of this script and all of them have this thing where they just like split the fantastic four up and then have them come back together at the end of the film and it's like no that that's missing the whole point like the there whole...
1: are ways you could there are ways you can pull that off but it's the fantastic four on an origin story like I, and I expect it more in an origin story because they haven't necessarily become the fantastic four yet but like there is nothing no reason for most of these characters here to want to be in the same room together
0: yeah they genuinely seem to hate each other
1: I honestly don't know if Sue said a word to Ben the entire movie
0: I don't think she did no I I cannot think of like a single time they spoke to each other and even then, I think like the only time Johnny speaks to Ben is that really awkward bit at the end where he's like, well, what if the team names the three of us and the thing no one wants? And like, I feel like they're trying to do the thing from the comics where they kind of have that sort of spiky relationship where, you know, they bicker a lot. You know, like actual brothers. But in this, it just comes across as what? You're being really mean to a guy you've never spoken to before.
1: I mean, like, I can come on, maybe not on here because your listeners don't know it, but, you know, on some of the other places where we hang out, I can call you a dick. And it's fine, because everybody knows we have that relationship going. But you can't really just do that with somebody you've just met.
0: Yeah. it's That's that's how you get punched in the face.
1: And getting punched in the face by rocks hurts
0: yeah, that's that's just science.
1: The science here, right? Like I'm not gonna touch the actual science of getting to another dimension or another universe. That part, I'll take that as written no matter what. But you have a fifth grade career day and why is does the teacher care? so much that reed picked this as a career okay maybe he's just tired of reed being a smart ass all the time or something but then why is the elementary school teacher at the high school science fair
0: i don't know it's so confusing and yet that teacher he's he's such a dick for no reason
1: it's like the only thing I can think of is Reed is always making me look dumb. I'm going to take the one chance that I have to use my power over him. It's like, come on, dude, just let the kid be smart. Let somebody who has no chance of playing professional sports say they want to be a professional athlete. You know, it's fifth grade. They're going to change their mind three times before the week's over anyway.
0: Yeah, that's also like if there had been a scene like that where like Reed chose the teacher up, that makes a lot more sense. But there's just nothing there. It's just, I I guess what they're going for is the idea that, oh yeah, like Reed, he's he's too smart for his surroundings, like no one really understands him. But it's just, it's so clunky and doesn't really make sense.
1: One thing I did appreciate, though, is that his garage invention seems to be powered by Nintendo 64s.
0: Yep, the most powerful console known to man.
1: Well, here's the thing, though. If, if it's 2007, then the retro boom hadn't really exploded yet. So getting all those N64s is probably a pretty economical way of getting a bunch of computing power.
0: Yeah, oh, that's, you know, I'll, I'll take that. That's a good point. You know, Josh Trank, you've forgiven 10 out of 10 best film ever. <laughs> I'm surprised I kept
1: myself from laughing for that long.
0: Uh, God, I'm I'm just looking at my big list of problems with this film and there's so many.
1: I stopped writing all of them down. Like, Reed doesn't... Reed just can't talk to other smart people at all. Which, I guess that makes sense. That's fine. But, also, it's 2007. There's the internet. He can go and pretend to be older or don't pretend to be older and just talk to smart people
0: yeah like online messaging is a thing at this point but then there's just other things like okay so so one of my big problems with this is you've got that whole bit where they like sneak in and steal the teleporter And I feel like we're supposed to be on, obviously, the side of, like, Reed, Doom, Johnny and Ben, because, you know, like, the government's swooping in, and damn it, they're going to steal all their hard work and use it for nefarious government stuff. But what they actually say is, hey, we're coming in, we're taking control of this, and we're going to have astronauts do the first teleport rather than the scientists. And that's actually very reasonable obviously you don't send the people who made the thing on the first test drive because first of all they're not trained to like go exploring a new place and second of all if something does go wrong with the teleporter like it does in the film you need the scientists safely on the other side so they can fix it
1: but in the future, the scientists won't get credit and they won't be famous. It'll be the astronauts that get to be famous. And that's just horrible. And I mean, come on, right? Like this is, they're going to get to be famous. They're going to get to go. Everybody knows who comes up with stuff. I say that, I can't think of anybody right now. So maybe they do have a point there.
0: Yeah. And, I still well, wouldn't want to go. Yeah, like I, I get that point that, No one necessarily knows, like, what is the name of the guy who invented uh, rocket fuel, which actually it's Jack Parsons. That's a bad example. He believed in Scientology and then blew himself up.
1: Well, at least Scientology did something good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there we go. But, yeah, but, like, the film treats it like there are all these NASA scientists who built, like, the first rockets and then the astronauts stormed in, gave them all wedgies and said, get out of here, you bunch of nerds. No one cares.
1: If it had been any branch of the military or something, then yes, I am fully on board with test your thing out before they turn it into a military weapon, which eventually happens anyway, because yay, government portrayal in a movie like this. Yeah, but this, they wanted this could to be... give it to NASA.
0: Yeah, good old NASA. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's NASA, and that is the point before this film becomes weirdly like pro-military for a while.
1: That's like saying you don't want to put your thing on broadcast TV because you hate the television industry and everything, but they want to put it on PBS. Which is free over-the-air educational television for everybody over in the UK. I don't know what your equivalent is.
0: Yeah, and and does PBS also have, like, a secret Black Ops division that sends the the thing on, like, attacks to kill people?
1: They have Caillou.
0: That's, That's probably a good joke for any Americans.
1: If you don't get it, you're much better off.
0: Good. I I will count my blessings then, because I certainly have my fill of terrible things to watch.
1: Yes, think about how amazing Bluey is. This is the exact opposite of that.
0: Oh no, is it like Paw Patrol? Worse. Uh... What if maybe the governments are bad, actually?
1: Which, oddly enough... That kind of thought process had me really siding with Victor throughout the first part of the movie. You know, he wants to say, you know, we've developed this thing. Let us, let us keep it. Let us not have this turn into a government weapon. Let us get the fame. Okay. The fame is kind of short-sighted and everything, but why would you take a project like this out of the hands of the people who developed it and completely cut them off? And Doom makes a lot of good points here.
0: I mean, I think he does. The problem is, again, it doesn't seem like they're actually getting taken off the project. They're just not allowed to go play in the spaceship. But yeah, he does make some good points until he dies and gets better and just becomes a completely different character.
1: Well, I mean, here's the other thing, too. We don't know how good Sue's suits are there's been no testing on the suits when they sent the chimp over there it was just nice naked chimp so that suit could have kept him safe the entire time he was stuck on planet zero or it could have failed in 10 seconds and nobody knew that but these guys just go galloping off into the wild green yonder and nobody is thinking about how much they don't know about this environment that they've transferred themselves into.
0: Yeah. And again, these are the characters that were meant to be like sympathetic and go, yes, these are the heroes.
1: Also, half of them are supposed to be really smart. And Johnny and Ben are not stupid.
0: Yeah, but Ben I especially don't get ways. he's just like Getting a random phone call in the middle of the night be like, hey Ben, do you want to go to another dimension? He's like, yeah, why not?
1: Although, seeing the house that he grew up in, I can just take that as it's an excuse to get out.
0: That's fair. I think he'd moved out by that point though, hadn't he? Wasn't he like living in the city or something? I, I don't know. None of this film makes sense.
1: Are you telling me that if I called you in the middle of the night, which would probably just be dinner time for me, then, and said I was going to another dimension, that you wouldn't come right over?
0: Oh, but I, I want to say, no, obviously I'd come explore the majesty and the wonder of a different dimension, but I'm just a sleepy boy, Chris. I, I need my naps.
1: All right, we'll wait for you to wake up and we'll go to this ver- magical other dimension called florida
0: oh no i've i've heard tales of florida tis a dark and scary place
1: you don't make up stories about florida because you don't need to
0: what if what if the florida man is there
1: he is it's real the horror
0: anyway how come they didn't invite sue
1: um because they were drunk and stupid and it makes no sense to me like i was thinking honestly once they started talking about stealing the thing and stuff i thought that sue would somehow be trying to pull victor out of it and she would fall into one of the capsules and you would pretty much swap Sue and Doom and what happened over there, except for the whole getting left behind thing.
0: What? You mean have it so that the Fantastic Four are all together when they get their powers, thus establishing a bond between them? That's crazy talk.
1: I mean, you can kind of look at it as Sue is helping them try to get back, and it is just the four of them by the time that happens when everybody gets their powers and it all kind of makes sense. If you take that view, Johnny catches on fire so he can turn into a bunch of fire and Ben gets covered in rocks, So he turns into rocks and Sue is helping them on in their dimension, but also in our dimension. So she's kind of fading in and out of reality and stuff. And Reed is stretchy because that makes sense.
0: Because he gets stretched.
1: It makes as much sense as anything else in this movie though.
0: I it might be one of my favorite accidental comedy moments when like he's crawling out the wreckage and just looks behind him and just like sees his leg just like wiggling out.
1: Yeah, that part was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Also that all makes sense. What does not make sense is Victor von Doom gets covered in green Gloop. And now he has the ability to explode people's brains, except for when he doesn't.
1: Yeah. If I'm mad enough to destroy people like that, then I'm at least going to take the Fantasca 4 and mentally pin them up against a wall or something. Like, I'm not going to just not do anything.
0: Yeah, you're not just going to, like, stand on a big platform and throw some rocks at them or something.
1: it would have been so much better if the rocks just bounced off of him because of plot armor.
0: I mean, that is basically what happens. Like, they, they even have that line where they're like, oh my god, he's he's stronger than each of us, but he's not stronger than all of us. Or just like that. He is actually stronger than all of you, though. Like, even combined, you've got, like, hot, fiery stuff, big punches, Stretchiness, invisibility, and in force field. He, he can make a guy die just by thinking about it.
1: They kind of had a good plan with Reed throwing up the distractions and Johnny throwing up some distractions and Sue making Johnny's distractions invisible, but also making Ben invisible. And so that, I could work with that. And then Sue made Ben visible long enough for him to say it's clobber in time, which, yes, I admit, has to be said at some point in the movie. But if he has time to say that and then wind up his punch and then throw his punch, Doom has time to stop him.
0: Yeah, Doom has time to literally just go, nope, brain explode. But he and doesn't yes, because there, it's the end of the film.
1: And there are some times when Doom has magical stuff going on, but it's from what I've read, it's not to this extent, or it, he at least doesn't use it to this extent. And it just seems so weird that they don't take the the real easy, like smart Doom making everything happen there they go straight for super overly powered magic doom. And then they completely disintegrate him and get rid of him for any future movies.
0: Yeah, I feel that this is basically the problem a lot of superhero films, especially in this era, have. I, I guess since the first Spider-Man film, where they all have this idea of, okay, so movie one, we need to introduce the biggest villain and then kill them off. And, like, just have no thought about, okay, but then what do you do after that?
1: I guess you get Mole Man for Fan Four Stick 2.
0: Well, funny you say that, because apparently originally uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character, that was supposed to be the Mole Man.
1: Oh, that would have been so cool.
0: Yeah, God. In, in another universe where this is an actual Fantastic Four movie, I would love to see Tim Blake Nelson as the Mole Man.
1: That's the problem, I think, overall with this movie, is that it's just a random action movie with a Fantastic Four skin put on it.
0: Yeah, like I think definitely the best bit for me. Is that opening maybe like, well, not the opening bits because the stuff with Kid Reed and his horrible teacher is dumb. But like the bit where he gets hired by the the Baxter building as just him and the others like working together and they're slowly bonding and they're just figuring out the science stuff. I feel like that's the best bit of the film because it's kind of almost a bit like, obviously not as good, but it's a bit like something like Oppenheimer. Where it's just, it's cool watching people figure stuff out. But that's also not a fantastic fall film. That's just like random Josh Trank science fiction scientists make a teleporter movie.
1: Which, the first part of this movie, I, I was really enjoying. And, the, I mean, the Josh Trank stuff, I wish they had let it finish the way he wanted it to finish. And I wish that we had a Snyder Cut kind of audience back in 2015 when this came out who would have gone and said, hey, you know, I want to see the Trank cut of this. But I, I don't think that's ever going to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of want to see it just so I can know like how much of this film is a bad film because of the studio stuff and how much is like is it Josh Trank just not having a lot of experience as a director because I think the frustrating thing with this film is it's hard to know like whose fault is it
1: like halfway through the movie Kaylee noticed that an Amazon thing had showed up so I paused it because if she's willing to watch it with me then dang it, I'm going to make her watch the entire movie because I'm a horrible husband. And at that point, we were like 55 minutes, so pretty much halfway through it. I couldn't figure out why everybody had hated this movie so much. And then pretty much right after that, it really started to hit it. Like Ben is a big, gentle, giant kind of guy. That's just who he is. Why would he ever let himself get turned into a covert military weapon? And also the thought of Ben Grimm being a covert weapon at all is just hilarious.
0: Yeah, he's a big man made of rocks. Like, the only thing covert to... about
1: him is that he can like, lay down and cover his face in some parts of the desert and people will think he's a pile of rocks.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like how much is this a like just a badly made film? How much is it just the idea of the Fantastic Four being like this dark, gritty, like their government spies? How much is that just a ridiculous concept?
1: The entire That's really where I, I get that middle of the bell curve thing, because None of this is like Death Race 2000. Okay, this is just really horrible and hilarious. I don't know if I would ever go back and watch this. You know, maybe if somebody decided they were for some reason going to make a sequel to this one, I would go back and watch this. But that is it.
0: Yeah, I I think the only way I'd want to see more of this is it's an idea that I've seen, like, bounced around online a bit. So in the comics, there's a character called The Maker, who is basically the ultimate version of Reed Richards, who basically went completely insane and became, like, really more the ultimate universe's version of Doctor Doom than Doctor Doom. And that, I feel like, could be quite interesting if you brought Miles Teller back. As just a full-on supervillain. Because also Miles is kind of a horrible guy, it turns out. Oh, I don't
1: know when of that story.
0: Yeah, apparently he's, he's a bit of an arsehole to work with.
1: Hmm. Well, I would definitely take him as a villain then. Um, I would take Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm. Especially if you could also get Chris Evans as Johnny Storm in the same time. Especially, double especially, because you'd have to explain how both of them are there while they're also other characters.
0: Yes. This is multiverse.
1: Like, all of the... Sue, I I don't... This version of Sue doesn't grab me for anything at all. Like, okay, if they wanted to bring her back, I wouldn't complain about it, but I'm not going to be the person asking for her to come back.
0: Yeah, I th- there's also a lot of awkwardness with this Sue, because Kate Mara wasn't who Josh Trank wanted. Like he wanted to hire an African American actress, so just you know, the whole Storm family is is African American, but then the studios came in and said, "Nope, can't have that. She's got to be white." And so like they basically brought in Kate Mara. And her and Josh Trank just did not get on.
1: Somehow I hadn't seen that one, but that makes perfect sense. And I was really wondering how much they were going to try to hit on the fact that she's white and Michael B. Jordan isn't and Franklin Richards isn't. And how are they going to make that work? And they actually didn't screw that up too bad, which surprised me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy enough just to say, oh yes, yeah, Sue Storm's adopted, but it's just, it gets very uncomfortable when you know that whole plotline is there just because the studio said, well, well we, we have to make sure that most of the Fantastic Four are white.
1: But they did let Ben still be Jewish, though.
0: They did, yeah, that was nice that they just had like the uh, menorah on, on a shelf as a little nod to that.
1: I was really surprised that of all the things that they could have skipped over and been perfectly fine with, with not being in the movie as a reference and everything that I had heard about the people making this, just not really caring too much about Fantastic Four and trying to hurry up and get it done in a lot of ways, like the Roger Corman movie, just so they can keep rights and making sure it's done. That that little detail actually made it into the movie.
0: Yeah, that was good. and funny you mentioned that because there was a ton of stuff that was. Because basically, just to first like explain what we've kind of hit on before, so with the writing process of this, Jeremy Slater is credited as the writer, but he basically wrote like an original script. But then that got scrapped, and Josh Trank just kind of came in and started doing things himself. And then Simon Keenberg basically reshot it. And there was a ton of Fantastic Four stuff that got cut from the original one, like the Fantastic Car that they all fly around in. That was in the original draft. Uh, Galactus was in the original draft. He was going to be like in Planet Zero, and then he was going to turn Victor Von Doom into Doctor Doom, but then also Doctor Doom is the Silver Surfer. And also another guy called the and even like the robot Herbie was in there. Herbie, I should, Herbie, the Fantastic Four's robot sidekick, not the not the sentient car.
1: Okay, so the good Herbie then.
0: Yeah, although that that could be fun if there's just like a random Volkswagen Beetle driving around in the background.
1: Did you notice though what was hanging off of Michael B. Jordan's mirror? When he was racing,
0: oh, I feel like I did, and then just it slipped out my mind.
1: It was an NES Fireflower.
0: That's right, because he's the, the the fiery man. That's called foreshadowing.
1: I just I love it because it it's foreshadowing, but it's all and it's so obvious when you know what's happening, but if for some reason you're going into this and you don't know that he's the human torch, it just actually makes sense with his character because he goes, he has that fiery personality and I can just see him being somebody who would want the fire flower and just power his way through those levels.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, to be fair, it does work because that is like his whole personality is just, I'm going to blast forward and like, not really think about the consequences like he absolutely throws a fireball at that cooper kicks the shell doesn't realize he's kick the shell then it bounces off the wall and hits him and he loses the fire flower
1: every single time
0: I know I've, I've done that so many times I'm so bad at Mario games me too Also it's not fair because sometimes the secret levels at the bottom of pits, but sometimes you just jump down the big hole and then you die. And obviously, I have to jump down every hole because sometimes there's going to be a secret level.
1: Mario 64 is my mortal enemy.
0: Oh. Oh, Mario 64. The the third dimension's too many dimensions. Yeah.
1: Keep my things 2D.
0: Anyway, speaking of graphics, CGI, this is absolute dog shit.
1: I'm looking at this, and I think that my problem watching this with the graphics was at first, I'm thinking, okay, this isn't too bad. It's an older movie. I can't expect them to look as good as even TV shows do now, forgetting that 2015 was only like eight years ago, and they should not be this bad. And so Johnny comes around again, and and really, I think Johnny and Doctor Doom are the worst ones.
0: Oh, good. Doctor Doom looks like a crash test dummy.
1: Doctor Doom makes Johnny look good, and Johnny looks really, really bad.
0: Yeah, John. Johnny, I would say, literally looks on a par with the Roger Corman Fantastic Four film.
1: Johnny looks like somebody took a Photoshop thing and tried to do a mask around a person and left it all black and then just had flames come off the mask and then forgot to fill the mask back in.
0: You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually what they did.
1: Yeah, now that you say that, that that's gotta be what they did.
0: Yeah. It also gets me that the thing looks like a completely different character in every single scene.
1: Between him and Kate Mara's hair changing and Reed's hair changing, like, I know we don't want to get too deep into stupid little things that on the continuity error front, but you know, at some point, they just get to be so distracting.
0: Yeah. And I also I always feel with stuff like that. It's the sign of a bad film, not that the continuity errors are there, but that you're so bored by the film that you are sat, like, noticing the continuity stuff.
1: Like, Like, when there's just a few continuity errors, it's like, okay, not a big deal. Obviously, they're paying attention to other things that's fine and when it's a good movie that just gets to be a fun little bit of trivia but this is not a good movie
0: no no it isn't and i think it is now time for us to rank this on the big list of films so this is our list going from a history of violence at number one which i don't think we need to worry about too much today Going all the way down to Spawn at number 61. And would you like me to run through what I like to think of as the Hall of Shame? Like the fully, just these are bad films that we have on the list.
1: Do it, because I think this is very clearly going to be in there.
0: So, uh, number 50, we have the animated film Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that one
1: unfortunately i have it bad it needs more jessica Cruz.
0: i mean uh, a common complaint with all green lantern films anyway number 51 we have angley's hulk number 52 we have uh, the 1990 captain america film number 53 we have 30 days of night number 54 we have howard the duck Number 55, we have Man Thing. Number 56, we have Catwoman. Number 57, we have 3 Dev Adam, an absolutely bonkers Turkish superhero film. Uh, number 58, we have The Spirit. Number 59, we have Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., starring the one and only David Hasselhoff. Number 60, we of course have Morbius. And like I say, number 61, we've got Spawn.
1: morbius is really really bad
0: so but i bad. feel
1: like i would go back and watch it again on purpose because it is the enjoyable kind of really bad
0: it also has like comparable cgi to this film
1: it does which is hilarious because morbius is what two years old at this point something like that
0: yeah two years old, and like has graphics that would be mildly impressive if they're on a PS1 game.
1: When you get to the bottom of the list... See, the top of the list is easy. It's what is a better movie. But when you get to the bottom, you have the... kind of this really weird spot of... Do you want to say what's a worse movie? Or do you want to say what would you be less likely to go back and voluntarily watch again
0: yeah i know that's always been a, a big thing with us like mick my usual co-host he like that is his main criteria is would i watch this again and i know see i think fan stick is maybe objectively not as bad as some of the other films in this patch of the list. But. I love the Fantastic Four. And so I just bloody hate this so much. Because don't everything have the... the Fantastic Four shouldn't be.
1: And I don't have the Fantastic Four bias here. But I do have the overall Marvel bias. And I, I get the idea just even from the periphery. Of how important they are. And how big everything should be. And. Like, I would so much rather watch Morbius or Howard the Duck or anything else on your list than this again, barring, you know, some very, very specific circumstances where, you know, watching this is more like homework than enjoyment.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Forster, you are relegated to our new number 61 yes which now means like Morbius is two places higher than I thought it would ever be on the list
1: hey it's the power of vampires what can you say
0: Um, what I can say is it's Morbin time
1: yes You said the thing.
0: I said the thing. And on that note, I think we're at the end of the show. So uh, if you'd like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or if you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on the interwebs?
1: Well, if people want to find me, you could head on over to Play Comics, where I grab a guest and we talk about a video game based on a comic property and how well those games represent the source material. If you're a fan of this show, then it really makes sense that you would be a fan of Play Comics because it's the same kind of idea. It's here's these comics that we love, and now how does this other media actually portray them and do they do a good job? And if you want a familiar voice, you can catch Andrew talking about Judge Dredd.
0: Yes, yes you can. Also, how dare you, Behold is a completely original idea that I thought of all by myself.
1: I will give you, we thought of it independently of each other. And we're both geniuses for thinking of it.
0: Yes, there we go. There's the truth.
1: And if you want to hear me talking about the general Marvel universe that I'm on another show called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where mostly every Saturday, if you want to catch the live recording, but, you know, it's a podcast, you can listen to it whenever you want. We look at just things in the Marvel universe. It started off as a show looking at the um, ABC show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now it has moved on to just the greater Marvel universe. We are currently looking at the second season of Loki. And we'll be hitting the marvels when that comes out, and after that, you know, just kind of fitting in episodes of X Men Evolution until Marvel decides to release new stuff.
0: Oh, sweet! Also, absolutely love X Men Evolution.
1: This is the first time I've seen it, and it, the show is just being so much fun.
0: Nice. I'm I'm gonna make a controversial statement. It's the best X Men cartoon.
1: Do you like 97
0: i, I don't like 97 well enough but i i think x-men evolution's better
1: i will okay i will let you have that 97 just holds a special place in my heart and i mean it's my introduction to the x-men it's basically why me and you are friends now through many many steps in between but it it pretty much is and as long as you don't say evolution is the best while also saying that you hate the old animated one then
0: oh god i'm not a lunatic
1: okay good i mean you are but well yes not in this
0: one sense So, yes, if if you do want to get in touch with this show, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew.
1: And I've been Chris.
0: So long and thanks for listening.